With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ah, letting the good music... Let let that play a little bit longer, Ryan Lennox. This is a little bit longer. This This is the end. I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. Bob! This is the end. This is the end. By Linkin Park. In the end, it doesn't even matter. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Welcome in to Crossed Up. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo along with Bob Wankel talking all things Philadelphia Phillies as if anybody cares anymore at this point, Bob. They get swept this weekend by the Boston Red Sox. Now four and a half games out of the wild card, 14 games to go. Uh, the season, for all intent and purposes, is practically over. Their chances of making the playoffs are down below 1%. Um, so even though there is a mathematical chance, we're not going to sit here and break down the weekend. We're not going to sit here and talk about the stuff that they did right or did wrong against the Red Sox. We're going to sit here and talk about what comes next for this ridiculous franchise at this point bob how you feeling today what's more fun to talk about right now the philadelphia eagles or the philadelphia phillies yeah (laughs) just another beautiful day in the city of philadelphia talking little sports so uh yeah i mean you said it man it's it's over uh forget the mathematics behind it uh i don't really care that they're mathematically still alive this season's over frankly this season was over probably two weekends ago when they hosted the mets and dropped two out of three at home uh you know the, the thing that amazes me, and, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about what happened this past weekend. We left here last Monday uh, before we signed off, and you said, I think this is the week that we can finally put this thing to bed, mm-hmm. and you were absolutely right about that. I just, they, they fought with Atlanta, they split the series, they win the game on Thursday night, they have a night off, and you go, okay. You talked all this stuff about how just scratch and claw, hang in there, hang in there, we're going to go on a run, we're going to go on a run. And you get this this Red Sox team that's playing for nothing. I mean, they checked out three weeks ago. And you score four runs in two games. You lose another Aaron Nola start, his fifth in a row. And then you come out yesterday, and the right fielder and the manager get run because they're frustrated, and the anger is boiling over, and you just do nothing offensively against a garbage Red Sox pitching staff. Who struck you out 25 times amazing. in two games. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I will see this. You know, I looked it up today and I said, where are the Phillies at overall in terms of offensive performance to league average and and how have they been comparatively since Charlie Manuel took over? And for the season, they're 10th in the NL, a 751 OPS overall. And then since Manuel was hired in mid-August, 802 OPS, which is actually the third best in the National League. And I said, okay, you know, like the offense has been better and, and no doubt they've been better. But you had this spot where if you... You take care of business this weekend. We do another week where we say, hey, they're two and a half out. They got a shot. And they just couldn't put it together. There's something wrong with the DNA of this team. They just can't sustain success in any capacity, whether it be starting pitching, the bullpen, or the lineup. It's just so erratic. Yeah, that's it, Bob. In a nutshell, I mean, it, it, look, we can't. We we sound like a broken record. I we always seem to come on the air. The, the Phillies don't do themselves any favors on Sundays. I think that anymore. I think that's what it is. <laughs> what are they like? Three and eighteen <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> they have to be terrible on Sundays because we come in on Mondays and we're miserable. But again, it's it's the same thing every every week. It, it's it's gotten to the point where. Something has to happen going forward. You're right. The DNA is not – there's something wrong with it. They need to respawn this this organization, to use a, a uh, video gaming terminology there. Right? They need to respawn this organization to be something different than what it is 
And I think that that's really what our focus needs to be now. Because, like you said, it, yes, there is a mathematical chance, but it's not happening. They're, they're got to play, what, three in Atlanta, three in Cleveland, five in Washington, and then finish up with three with the Marlins. They're lucky they finish 500 this year with that schedule, okay? They're lucky if they do. So we have to really look at it and say, what part of this do we want to keep? Moving forward, what part of this do we want to take apart and say, no, let's get rid of it and let's let's replace it? And I think that's what we're going to spend the hour today doing. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we should do. And uh, we've obviously spent a, a lot of time talking about the manager and the failings of the team president and the GM. So I don't want to spend too much time, and I think that's where we should actually start. I'm, yep. I'll just do a quick yes-no almost. Yep. Because regardless of who's managing this team next year or and regardless of, of who's running this team next year, it's very clear that personnel changes have to be made. The yes. roster is not good enough. And that's where I want to spend the bulk of our time today. Okay. But but let's start at the top with this. And let me ask you, and we'll get it on record here. It's September 16th. We're at the end of this season now. It's, it's yet another year that goes by with the Phillies not playing postseason baseball. Do you bring back, and I'll, I'll put them in tandem, the, the first two. Do you bring back... Andy McPhail and Matt Klintak. And and forget that they probably will be back. You're running the show. It's You're just, John Middleton. It's just my call. Just your call. Just my call. What are you doing? Gone. Okay. I blow the whole thing up. Do you have a replacement in mind? And we and just so everyone out there listening knows, like we haven't talked through this. And, no. and we didn't spend the day looking no. at, at potential GM candidates. But, you know, do you have anybody that jumps off the page at you or anything like that? Or you just say, it doesn't even really matter who. It just can't be them again. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody that I'm sitting here pining for saying, oh, I want this guy, I want this guy. I don't know if fans are going to sit there and say, well, you know, Boston just let go of Dave Dombrowski and he won a World Series last year. Go bring him in to be the president. Okay, fine. If you want to do, if you want to say that, that's okay. I'm not a huge Dombrowski guy. He's a guy who blows up your your system, and he's he's a guy who knows how to win quick, but doesn't sustain it. Like he's a sugar rush. That's what I call Dave Dombrowski. Okay, he's always had that kind of a history. He's kind of a sugar rush. He had that in Detroit too, right? I mean, when he was out there, same thing. Um, so I don't have a specific person, but I'll tell you that the approach that this group has taken is not has not been a good one. It's not proven to be good. And I look down the road and I say, even if they spend more of John Middleton's money, I'm not convinced that it's going to be good enough to, to surpass Atlanta because Atlanta has put themselves in a position for the next half, at least the last five years, if not a little bit longer, but let's say five years. Um, they've put themselves in a position where they have so much good young talent that they can they can add you know a piece here, a piece there, a piece there to sustain their success where the Phillies have to add so much just to catch up to them. So the way I evaluate this is I am, I am less than impressed with what that regime has done in its first four years. Mm -hmm. The question that kind of comes about for me though, is, is this an incomplete product that they, they feel as if they're trending the right way and they can do some things to alter it. And, and next year really could be the year, so you stay the course? Or did they go down a road that really is not going to lead anywhere? You talk about how they're still so far for, uh, start, st I'm sorry, still so far away from Atlanta. So, so what do you do here? Do you, do you back it up and, and try to pivot out and reverse course? Or do you keep spending, spending, staying aggressive and, and hoping that you can still eventually in the next year or two chase down the Braves? Because that, that's not an obvious path at this point. No, it's not. But unfortunately, you went out and you signed Bryce Harper, and you're probably going to sign JT Real Muto to a monster deal. So you, it's not like you can you can punt. It's not like you can say, hey, we're never going to get there, so let's try again down the line four or five years from now. They that's spent, not an They spent $572 million last offseason, Bob. They have to try and win now. Right. They have to. So do you like, – how do you do it then? Do you say like – Let's let's hear from somebody else. Let's get a different mindset. Let's get a different opinion in here, whether it be a guy like Dombrowski or anybody else that says, I have a different way of getting to the finish line than these guys might. That's what you would ultimately have to evaluate. All this being said, I, I believe Andy McPhail's back, and I believe Matt Klentak is, is back too, but... I just don't know. It, it, I, there's part of me that's like is is disgusted, and I'll say that I'm disgusted with with this roster. I think it's a joke. Yeah, I, I think it's it's absolutely insane uh, that, that this is what they proceeded with after the All Star break. Everyone's hung up on Dallas Keuchel. It's one thing to not sign Dallas Keuchel. It's another thing entirely to not go out and and get anybody. Anybody, because nobody they brought in was a was a success, other than Corey Dickerson, who's now hurt. 
who had 34 RBIs in 33 games, right? Yeah, Yeah, I know, surprised (laughs) that he's hurt, right? Um, But, I mean, other than that, there's nobody else that they brought in that you sit there and said, oh, yeah, they made made a difference in any positive way. So and and we could talk a little bit about that and and I'll actually wait to evaluate some of those moves until we get to the roster. So that being said, I would I would be out. I'm out. I'm out on them. Good. Yeah. Good. It's, it's time. You should be yeah. out. You should be out. They, they should be further ahead of where they're at right now. Yes, they should. You know, there's a chance they finish with the same record they finished with last year, Bob, and that's not ridiculous to say. No. I, th- I mean, yeah, they're still four games over 500. They could finish two games under, considering who's left on their schedule. You can be a very objective person. You can be rational. You don't have to make emotional decisions and bang on a table. It's professional sports, and when you make that type of investment. And you set a certain level of expectations, and those expectations aren't met, regardless of, of the, the variables as to why it didn't occur, it's a bottom-line business. Yeah. And it is a business, and it's an entertainment business at that. I, I don't know how you come back to this fan base and say, and I opened up my, my mailbox today, and I'm on the on the ticket mailing list. Yeah. Make sure you buy your Marlin series tickets for the end of September. And underneath of that, it was like, also, let's get involved and, and get ready to, to put a down payment on the 2020 season. How, how, do, you, how do you get your fan base excited over, over this product right now? You can't. The only, you know how you get your fan base excited? You make this make these changes. Yeah, you got to come, come you, watch us overachieve for two months and then be right where we were the previous. No, two years. I, in all in all honesty, I mean seriously, if you if you want to get fans to come out to that Marlin series, it doesn't have to be today. I mean, you could wait until they're officially eliminated or whatever, or even closer to being officially eliminated. But what you do is is you basically blow up, blow it up, and say we're gonna take the the players that we had that you were excited about this year. And reason and rightfully so because they are still good players. There are good players on this team. It's not like the whole team stinks, right? Yeah. I mean, there are good players on this team. So you you say we're going to still bring these guys back. We're going to make the other changes we need to make. But these these guys who you were so you're all ticked off at, none of them will be back to run this organization next year. And I think that this fan base should be excited about JT Realmuto. And I guess in a way, I'm almost this is almost a defense of them because yeah. I, I would do the the Realmuto trade again. I, I know that they're kind of at this. We're going to talk about that a yeah, little later I, in the show. And I know that their ceiling right now looks a little bit limited with with what the Nationals are doing and yeah. where the Braves are headed and where the Braves currently are as well. But how can, how do you argue with an acquisition at a, a premium position like that where a guy's legitimately a, a top five, top six MVP candidate? No, right Real Muto has been great for the Phillies and, and this Bryce year. And Bryce Harper to me is is, is no brainer. Yeah, and not just for the off the field stuff. I think that the numbers are starting to line up where where you would expect the, them to. Have the been. only question that you have about the Real Muto thing, and again, we'll dive into this a little bit more in more detail. But I guess the only question that you have about that is, was it the right move at the right time? I mean, that's the only. That's I mean, he was he's been great. Right. There's no there's no negative to Real Muto other than the fact that you parted with your top pitching prospect who's who had a pretty good year for the Marlins. Minor league system. He yeah, really right? got it going in the middle of the year. Right, yeah. right. Really had a good year. Um, uh, did you did you just do it at the wrong time? Like you should have waited. That's the only question. Uh, there's it's not a question about the player. The player's been great. What was the timing? The right timing for the Phillies to do that. And then so we'll we'll dive into that as well. So uh, before before we get there, you know, we have to talk about the manager. Well, so yeah, I, I need a definitive stance on Gabe Kapler. He, he goes. At this point. He goes. I mean, and again, this is this is more so the fact that you got to look at this from a whole a, a, a whole organizational thing. Like you just said, how are you convincing these fans to buy tickets? How are you convincing these fans to come in next year if you bring him back? And I think he's going to be the fall guy ultimately for McPhail and Cap and Clentac. Uh, more so than anything else. If if that happens, make sure that you read crossingbroad.com the day that that happens. When McPhail and Clentac stay and Kapler goes, because that is such a, a cowardly cop-out move that totally is all about the cosmetics of it and does nothing to alter the situation. No, you're right. But that's why I think if you're asking me, I would I would just blow the whole thing up. And, and if you're going to do that, like, so this is my stance on this now. You know how I feel about Gabe Kapler. Right. I think that he is, I think, he, you, you know, the thing I, I think gets overlooked is that he's gotten better. From year one to year two, he made 
significant improvements in a lot of different respects, I think. And, and I do think that he can continue to improve. However, like we said, this is a bottom line business, and you do have to sell tickets, and fan opinion to an extent matters. does matter. Yes, it matters. It, it matters to an extent. So to me, all three can go. The thing that I just find to be a completely unacceptable outcome, though possible and, and maybe even likely. likely at this point, yep. is that he does go. And I think he'll get another job, and I think that he'll ultimately be successful somewhere. I, I truly believe that. I do. Um, so if it were me, I'd keep him. But I I don't know what's going to happen here. Well, the other thing is, so and this is where I'm gonna uh, I, I'm gonna cut into your rationale. If you want to get rid of McPhail and Clentac, there's no way that he you, stands. You can't out. keep the man. But I think that th- because who's going to want to come in and say, "Oh, I'll be the president and GM and keep that guy." Absolutely, who I didn't like, hire. It's not like it's a, a Jim Leland either. You right, know, right. it's not like a guy that's been around where you say, "Well." No matter what your philosophy is, right? You you like him, right? You know, G- Gabe Kapler is a, I think, a, a very fits a very specific idea of what a front office would want its manager to correct to be correct. So, I I hear you on that, but the optics of that firing are a little bit different. If it's a clean house deal, I think everyone, you know, myself included, people that support Gabe would say, I, "All right, I understand," because you don't want that that lame dunk or that that holdover guy. So I understand that, but if it's Kapler and the other two stay, my God. I have a problem with that, too. I do. I, I I would agree with you, Bob. I have a problem with that, too. Hey, I didn't do my job, and we didn't have urgency, and I miscalculated what a major league pitching staff should look like. Sorry, dude. You're out of here. Yeah. I mean. Right. I mean, I, so, uh, like, I have a problem with that as well. So, But you ask me, what would I do? I'd get rid of everybody. That's just, you, you, you start fresh with, with the, the, the look there because you have talent here. Yes, the pitching staff is not is not right, but you have talent here, and it should be better than what it is right now. So I mean, that's that's what we're gonna do, and we'll and we'll get into that after the break. And we got we got a couple minutes before the break, so we'll we'll break down the roster and we'll look at the individual players. But while we're on the concept of the manager, interesting thing happens yesterday, last night, MLB tonight, uh, on MLB Network. They Joe Girardi's usually on that, right? He's on that show. They took him and they put him in a soundproof room with headphones listening to music. So he couldn't hear the conversation that was going on on the set. That's what they say. And you you hope that they're telling you the truth. And then you have Craig uh, Amsinger, the bro. That's what I call him. He's like a a bro. He's He's like a dude, right? He's interviewing Ken Rosenthal, who has been all up in the Phillies front office for the past couple weeks. Seems to be pretty plugged in. All up in the Phillies front office. And so they ask him, you know, they're talking about, you know, if Joe Girardi decides to get out of broadcasting and leave the MLB network, where he could end up. And there was no guarantees or this is I, this is what I'm here. It was a speculation on the part of Ken Rosenthal. But Ken Rosenthal speculated that Joe Girardi's next job would be as the head coach or manager of the Philadelphia Phillies. And that's that's wild to me because it tells me it tells me this is what it tells me more than anything else it tells me that all, wherever he's gotten his information from and I got to believe it's John Middleton is his is his guy is where he's connected to speculate that <laughs> it's not Matt Clentak right yeah no it's, <laughs> it's not, not Gabe Kapler right but to speculate that makes me believe that Middleton has suggested to him that that's where a change is coming whether it's going to be Girardi or not we'll have to wait and see I don't see how Girardi fits with Clentac and McPhail. Yeah, he just took the words right out of my mouth. No, I, don't I, s- I really don't see it. And that you start to to tread into dangerous territory right. when you have uh, an owner. And, and we want an aggressive owner. We want a guy that's willing to be bold and take chances and spend money, and that's great. But when what the owner wants starts to directly conflict with the front office's philosophy, right. I, I think that that sets up a really bad situation. I agree. And, and I think what you might do if that happens is you might retain Clentac and McPhail. It doesn't mesh properly. And now we're another two years into this thing. And then the front office is getting blown out the door. And then what? Right. And so that's why I'm not convinced that Joe Girardi is the next manager of the Phillies. But I'm more likely to believe that there's going to be a managerial change. Right. I mean, why else would I mean, he 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 laid out that story with had what had so much 
inside Philly's stuff in it. So he's getting it from somebody in the organization. It just becomes a fascinating hire if we get to that point because do – you know, does Matt Clentak look at this and say, I want the same characteristics, I want someone with the same beliefs, but I need to repackage it in the form of a different face and a different personality? Or has he evaluated now over the last two years what he thinks this organization needs and has sort of changed what his belief of the manager should look like and how that manager should act and how he should present himself? And that's going to be an interesting question. Uh, look, I, I'm not as certain that they're going to do this as as you are, but uh, I don't think I'm certain. But I'm I'm leaning much more towards that side just because of what I'm seeing. And look, I I experienced this a lot in my time in hockey because Ed Snyder was a type of owner yeah. who would not settle, and he would go to his GMs and say, "I want this change made." And what are you going to do? You're going to tell the owner no. You're going to do what the owner wants, right? Flyers didn't win a championship. Right. I mean, they had a lot of good teams, but they never won a championship in uh, in this with that mentality. So there's no guarantee that it would work for the Phillies. But I do sense that that's the kind of thought process that that John Middleton's going to be taking into this offseason. So uh, Bob and I will break down the roster, though, as we look ahead to 2020, even though the 2019 season isn't officially over yet. But we're going to dive into that. After the break, if you want to join us, 888-728-9941 is the number. You're listening to Crossed Up here on 610 ESPN Radio. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all. The few, the proud, the Marines. Introducing the YMCA. What, you already know the Y? Or so you think. Sure, you know the Y for a swim, a workout, even a game of hoops. But did you know we're more than that? We're a cause. When you take your jump shot at the Y, someone else is getting job training. Take a cardio class while kids are in an after-school enrichment program. Practice your downward-facing dog as a teen practices her leadership skills. That's the why. We work with people no matter their age, income, or background and give them the opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive, all with one simple goal in mind, to strengthen our community. And we've got so much more that does just that. So while you might think of the why as that place for lifting weights, we're also about lifting entire communities. Introducing the why. We're so much more than a place. We're a cause. Visit ymca.net slash more. And we are back here on Crossed Up on 610 ESPN Radio. Anthony Sanfilippo, Bob Wankel. And we're going to dive into the Phillies roster now. Because the Phillies roster is... Uh, Needs some work. It, it, yeah, it needs some work. Well, so the interesting thing is, is it's got like really good high end talent, and then there's a precipitous drop right off of the off the cliff after that high end talent to nothing below it. I mean, just a bunch of guys, and, and that's and that was I mean that's the big damnation about this this team that they don't they the roster was poorly constructed in that regard. So the Phillies, we have to look at you know where they need to upgrade in the offseason. and there's no doubt about it, Bob, that the, it has to start with starting pitching. And you know, I'm, I'm saving this for the for the official end of the season, but I will tell you that I've done a little bit of homework on our program. I went back and listened to our uh, episode that we put out two days before the season began back in March, 
um, and where we were talking about our fearless forecasts. And we're gonna, I'm going to save that for the end of the season because there's a couple of them that are still. I want the stats to really be finished. I think I had a good Odubel Herrera one in yeah, there. That was yeah. the only, you know what? That was the only bad one. Oh, like we were good. Yeah. I mean, overall right, we were pretty good. Yeah. I'd um, be interested to hear that. Yeah. So I'm going to go through those with us with you once the season's officially over. But one of the things that we said. Back on that March 26th or whatever date it was, we put that out. The one concern we have is this starting rotation. How you can go into the season with this starting rotation and need a lot of ifs to, to really come through. And that was the one thing. Now, as, as excited as we were about the lineup and, the, and how good it was going to be, and, and they disappointed us a little bit, but the starting rotation we knew was going to be a problem, and damn if it didn't rear its ugly head quick and, and often. So here are the Phillies over the last week, going back to last Monday night, last gasp, last five starts by guys other than Aaron Nola. Yeah. The Phillies have gone 18 and two-thirds. Five starts. In five starts. <laughs> and that takes out Nola against the, the Braves, and he wasn't good in that start, yeah. and it takes out Nola's start against the Red Sox, that's which he was very good, but it was wasted. That's less than four innings a start. And that has nothing to do with, oh, well, you know, Gabe loves his bullpen and he has extra arms down there, so he's being overly aggressive. I mean, these starters have given the Phillies no chance in these games. None. Uh, they've, they've been terrible, and it really isn't anything all that new um, to what they've done for the bulk of this season. And so if we are talking about where this team goes moving forward, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but what we do know is that Aaron is back. And we had our conversation last week about, is he the guy? Is he the guy that you're trotting out there in a hypothetical playoff series game one? You could do a lot worse than, than Aaron Nola. And there are some concerns about him kind of wilting down the stretch. He was very good the other night, though. Wasn't yep. so good against Atlanta after we had this really, conversation. He was really though. good against the Red Sox. But he was very good against the Red Sox. And uh, it was what Alex Cora, I think, actually, after the game, was very complimentary and said, you know, we faced a lot of elite talent this year, but he may be one of the best. And... That's high praise, and Alex Cora, you know, certainly knows a hell of a lot more than than I do. Right, and so yeah, okay. Even if we say that he's a bona fide one, and and you can roll into a postseason series with him, that's fine. But where do you go after that? I have to assume, unless Jake Arrieta hates Philadelphia so much that he is picking up a twenty million dollar option, because nobody is going to give him that salary next season. Uh, so I assume he's back in this rotation. So how do you fill in the other three parts? So, first, you have to look at what you have. There is no way, none, that Nick Pavetta, Zach Eflin, and Vince Velasquez all come back. No, they can't. So, let me just ask it to you like this, because I don't think there's any scenario in which this is, this is not based on anything specific or a conversation that I've had with anybody directly involved with the team. But it's my belief, just based on the sense that I get, that Nick Pavetta won't be in this rotation and I'm not so sure if he's not a change of scenery candidate probably you're probably right that's my sense yeah um and I don't even know if I'm really going out on a limb by saying that but I just some of the some of the vibes I get down there mm -hmm. kind of leads me to believe that yeah I think you can bring back one of the two between Velasquez and Eflin and then be your number five or a guy that maybe slots in his rotational depth. You have him there, and if he, if someone gets hurt, then he becomes the fifth. But above that, I don't I don't see it, and I don't think it's Eflin because I don't think he pitches the way that the Phillies want him to pitch. I don't think he fits the philosophy, although that philosophy could change Correct. this offseason. If you ask me which one I like better, I like Eflin better than Velasquez. But that's it's that's it's not saying a lot. Uh, yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm getting the sense you're not overly. I'm looking I, at you right now. I'm getting the sense you're not overly excited about either guy. Like if you said to me, "These are your options for your number five starter next year. Who do you want?" I'll take Zach Eflin. But I'm I'm not happy about it. But that's that's the guy I would pick of the two. So to me, I think there are two spots that are going to be held by guys that aren't currently here. Correct. You, would you agree with that? You think two? I agree. So. I know there was a, a thought for a moment that, that Jason Vargas had given them some decent innings, especially when he first came here, but I think it was Jason Stark who, who tweeted it out. Like The Phillies, he, he hasn't won a game in his nine starts. He's 0-3. Nope. Yep. <laughs> the last pitcher to have zero wins in his first nine starts as a Philly was 27 years ago when Kyle Abbott did it. I mean, that's... 
that's amazing to, yeah. to not earn a win. And I know that win loss doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but to not have, not be the pitcher of record on the his, winning side his, in nine starts. His whip is one point four eight nine. I mean, that's terrible. He's been awful. He has actually had a a five four eight ERA in forty four and a third innings pitched in nine starts. So he's averaging less than five uh, five innings per start. Uh, one four nine whip. He's only striking out six point five batters per nine, and not only that. He's also walking three and a half guys per nine innings. So mm-hmm. I, I want nothing to do with Jason Vargas. He's a guy that I, I feel like once every three or four times through the rotation, he might give you a decent start. And then those other ones, you're just holding your breath and, and he's trying to just limit damage. Yeah, I mean, there's he's a, not a major league starter anymore. No, there's a team option on him, right? It's for $8 million and it's with a $2 million buyout. So what you have to ultimately decide is, do we want another year of Jason Vargas for an additional $6 million. And I think it's more about the roster spot than it is the financial consequences. No, the, the Phillies buy him out at $2 million. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, I mean, there's just no buying. upside. It's not like, hey, you know what? For $6 million, we have this arm that we think we can make something. Yeah. Let's just see. No. No, he's not back. So I don't see it. And then that brings you to the other guy who's currently a, a placeholder in this rotation, which is Drew Smiley. And I said to you during the break, like, it may not be outside the realm of possibility that they retain him. And what was your reaction to that? Well, okay, so no, no, I don't want him. I yeah, can't, I don't I want him either. I but can't say what my reaction was. The, the, we have, we're on the air. The guy's 30 years old, and the, the Phillies could spin this one and say, hey, and I guess I'm doing this exercise under the presumption that the front office is back. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, hey, he's 3-1 and in 10 starts, 4-1, 4 Can you imagine bringing four-fifths of this rotation back next year? But no, is he the guy, though, that you retain? Because I don't think there's going to be a big market for Drew Smiley. I, I don't. So no. do you say, like, listen, we, we could sign this guy, maybe pay him $5, 6000000 million next year, and he's our sixth or seventh option into the rotation. Maybe he's a guy that, that we're swinging back and forth as a long man, possibly. I mean, again, I know that, listen, when I see in in the probable pitchers, hey, it's Drew Smiley tonight, I'm not going, ooh, I feel pretty good about what's about to happen. But you do also have to have depth. As we've seen, injuries are obviously a concern. Things happen. So if if we're going to move on from guys like Pavetta, which I am, so in my, the way that I'm working through this, like you have to have some depth beyond Spencer Howard. And and I don't need to see Angel De Los Santos and, and those types of guys. Well, I mean, here's a, well, as a guy like Ranger Suarez, does he get stretched back out again? I, I mean, don't know. He's had I mean, a nice year, but that to me, like, how about this? He's had a nice year. So ra- rather than and, and I know that uh, having a, a starting pitcher and a quality starting pitcher or the possibility of one is way more valuable than having a bullpen arm. But maybe you say this looked pretty good this year. Why don't we just roll with what we saw? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's something to consider. I don't think he's going to cost you a lot. He's been decent in 10 starts. Uh, again, I said the, the ERA is just slightly over four. I know that they're they're big FIP guys. Yeah, fielding, and in, fielding independent pitching. And he's sitting at five, so he's almost a full run over the ERA with that. But he strike out 9.6 per nine. Walks three per nine. Too many home runs, though. That's a problem. He's given up almost two home runs per nine innings as a Philly. 12 homers in 54 Yeah. Innings. I mean, you know, that's the thing, though. I go, he can't be... He cannot be in your opening day rotation. I mean, put that seriously. Like he can't be starting. Imagine that as a two hundred inning pitcher. That's 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 forty eight home runs. That's, I'm just telling you, man. I just wonder when they evaluate this thing if they say, well, we do need some bodies, and if if he's an experienced lefty and he's coming at a relatively cheap price, I wouldn't be shocked if if he were to return. Uh, it's crazy. Uh, I'm not telling you I feel overly good about it, but. So then that's where you kind of you, you tread out into the market and you say, like, so what are they looking at? And obviously you throw around Garrett Cole. So if Patrick Corbin got, what, six years, $140 million last offseason, they're both 29, Cole be 29 in this offseason, and that's what Corbin was when he signed his deal with Washington. I, I don't know, man. So is he getting – he's getting more than 6-140, right? Uh, yeah. He's having a career year he's, for the Astros he's, this he's season. He's better than Patrick Corbin. He's better than Patrick yeah. Corbin. So there's no question in my mind. He's the number one free agent in the offseason. Uh, he's probably going to get six years, maybe even a seventh. I think he might get a seventh because if, if Corbin signs that deal and he kind of sets the bar, if I'm Cole, I say I'm better than him, markedly better than him. I, I think he could go seven years. Seven, um, 165 I maybe? might even go higher. I was, gonna th- I was saying 180. Yeah, because seven, 165 would be an extra year and an extra $25 million on Corbin's yeah. deal. 
So yeah, maybe maybe you tap, tap 180. Maybe so, that happens. Somebody's looking for an ace and they're willing to spend the money. They go to 180. I mean, but his numbers have just been outrageous this yep. year. He's striking out almost 14 batters per nine. Whip is under one. Uh, I mean, like I said, a career year. So are, are the Phillies getting involved in that market? I don't see it. I would love to see that happen, but I just don't. No. I think there's a variety of reasons that's not going to work. Yeah. Uh, and the contract is a limiting factor, one. But two, we talked about how he's a West Coast guy. I just don't I don't think that the Phillies, unless they blow the doors off of him, you know, with, with a deal that he can't refuse. Right. I don't see it. No, I don't see it either. And then you go down the list, though, and you start to look at the other prominent, and we'll use the word prominent, because I don't know if they're they're necessarily good. I think that some of these guys have question marks at this point. Like, you look at the year that Jake Odorizzi had, really good first half, was an all-star, hasn't been as sharp, ERA over four in the second half of the season. He's an option. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is that something that you consider? Certainly better than what they have. Um, Ryu, uh, out in L.A., has had a monster season. The only issue that I have with him is as good as he's been. He had a one six uh, one six four ERA through twenty three starts this uh, season, and it, it, the ERA is starting to balloon up here later in the year. the The bigger concern I have, and I don't know if these two things are necessarily related to his recent performance. He's been on the injured list nine times yeah. since twenty thirteen. So. I don't know. Do, do you think that that's even a market that they'd want to get involved with? No. I mean, he doesn't have an overpowering arm. He's more of a crafty guy. I, I don't think that that necessarily profiles uh, the type of arm that the, the Phillies want. I'll, I'll give you a name. And and this is a guy. Um, well, I'm going to give you two names ultimately. But the, the guy we talked about already, I'm going to start with him. And then I'm going to give you another intriguing option that's probably not on your free agency list because there's an opt-out clause in his contract. But uh, the, the one that I think fits the mold of what this management team tries to put together is Zach Wheeler from the Mets. And I, I think that's the kind of guy who's – I think he's – is he, what, 30 years old, Wheeler? How old is he, 29, 30? 29. He's 29 yeah. years old. Yeah, all these guys, all these these arms are about 29 hitting the market yeah. here. Uh, he's 29. Um, has again having an okay season. Um, he's not he's not a number one by any stretch of the imagination. But if you think Noel is a one overall, he's he's having an okay season. He's been outstanding in the second half. second half. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's also and it's also his FIP is lower than his ERA. So that's another thing. I mean, so there. To me, I think he's a guy that you you might see. The thing that baffles me baffles me about Wheeler. And we talked about how good he's been in the second half. Five and one, two nine three ERA in the second yeah. half, and ten starts, averaging over six innings per start. For a guy that has the arm that he does, he doesn't strike anybody doesn't strike out, out in a no. league where people are striking out more than they ever have. Seven point two strikeouts per nine in the second half of this season. You know, you know what I like about him is the fact that he 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 pitches he pitches in a way. That's kind of a little bit of a throwback. He 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 works a little east west more than north south, right? Um, he pitches to weak contact. That's a thing that Zach Wheeler does again with the big arm. Yeah. He pitches to weak contact. Um, I I just like that approach. I, I I don't think every pitcher has to be that way, but I think it's good to have one or two of those guys. Uh, in your rotation, in your bullpen, or whatever the case might be, to kind of mix it up and and give a different look, right? So like that's that's why he intrigues me a little bit more, and probably doesn't force you to spend, you know, a king's Quite ransom, the same amount, yeah, to to upgrade your rotation. We've been talking about Madison Bumgarner all season about a, a, as a trade possibility, and obviously that never came to fruition. He stayed with the Giants. There's a good chance that he's going to be on the market and that he may go elsewhere this mm-hmm. off season. Thirty years old. Career worst, if it finishes at 373, would be a career worst ERA. FIP, though, lower this year than it's been in recent season. Uh, in recent seasons, the whip is kind of in the same range as it's been. Best K per nine since 2016. Do you have any interest in him? Because I, I think the, the issue that I have with him is that the name is what's going to command more dollars than really what the yeah. production is. At this so, point. Uh, so do I have interest in him? Not as the top of the two guys. You said you got to get two pitchers, right? Yeah. If I'm getting Madison Baumgartner as the second pitcher, yeah, but that's not gonna. He's gonna call. He's gonna get what a contract. Was, what if it were Wheeler and Baumgartner? Well, that would be great. 
But Bumgarner's not going to... No, I just think the dollars are going to be too yeah. strong because he's going to get paid like the top guy. Yeah, he's going to get paid like a top guy. But if you want to look at another lefty, you can go back to Cole Hamels. Uh, I, I would <laughs> kick myself before... And, and, there you go. That's you what just, I'm saying. Just I mean, took it right out of my I mouth. mean, you could go Cole I, Hamels. I was all teed up to talk about Cole Hamels. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the direction you go there. Um, and I love the story. I, I don't love the idea. We were wrong or I was wrong. I'll take responsibility for this. We talked about the idea last season of, of adding Hamels before he was traded to the Cubs. I thought it was over for him then. He had a great finish to 2018 and a really good start to this season. Uh, I see some red flags. He would have to come back ultra cheap, one-year deal, kind of as a feel-good story, like I want to you know, uh, finish where I start type thing. 6-4-9 ERA in the second half, and the home road splits have been outrageous. Yeah. At, at Wrigley, sub-3 ERA this season. In 12 starts away from Wrigley Field, ERA's in the mid-fives, over 13 starts. And I just feel like I love the story, I love the idea of it, but he it, he would have to come back as like a 4-5 type. Yeah, but, but uh, let me say this, Bob. Is he better than your 4-5 options now? Uh, yes. Okay, so then... Yes, yes. So because... in that regard, so you said you don't want to spend $6 million on Jason Vargas, right? Oh, I'd rather spend... Oh, so would I'd you clearly spend, rather spend $10 million on, on Cole, Cole Hamels than $6 million on Jason Vargas. So I would Just do, because I never want to see Jason so, okay, Vargas so would, again. So if, <laughs> if, if, if Hamels wants to come in, what if he says two years, $20 million? Would you do it? I think that... With, an op, with like a team option for the third It probably depends year. On, on how the rest of the market unfolds. If, if we're going out and you're getting Garrett Cole in seven years, then I'm more willing to piece together the back end of the rotation. Like we can run Zach Eflin or, or Vince Velasquez back out there. If it's if you if you're giving me Garrett Cole and Aaron Nola one two, I'll figure out three for three through five later. All right, let me throw one name at you and let you think about it during the break, and then we'll we'll take that one and then we'll come back with some uh, other stuff to to look at for next season. Guy who's got an opt out. He's thirty one, but could cash in big. Friendly with Bryce Harper. Steven Strasburg. Ooh. <laughs> talk about that after the break you're listening to crossed up here on espn radio 610 at any given moment somewhere in america a baby is taking a first step a developmental milestone but for too many parents a baby's first steps aren't just a milestone they're a miracle these are the parents of babies who were born prematurely or with birth defects it's a crisis affecting more than half a million babies in the United States each year. You can help them by joining volunteers like you who walk in March for Babies. The money you raise funds research and local programs that help babies overcome the challenges of premature birth and birth defects. Together, our steps make stronger, healthier babies a reality for thousands of families. Sign up today at marchforbabies.org to take the steps that help make milestones and even miracles possible. Who will you march for? They just told us right away that we're going to house you, we're going to feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We could never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because, because of, of you. you. There is St. Jude. And we are back on Crossed Up here on 610 ESPN Radio. Anthony Sanfilippo, Bob Wankel with Eagle Six. Uh, talking about remaking the Philadelphia Phillies next season and what they should look like come 2020 since they disappointed us and broke our hearts many, many nights this past summer. Um, so I threw a name out at you right before the break, Bob. 
Steven Strasburg's got four years, $100 million left on his contract, but he has the option to opt out of his deal and become a free agent. If he were to do that, what do you think? He's a good pitcher, and I think that people probably value him more than I do. He's a guy that, for the last handful of years, as, as Washington's been really good, when I see the probables and, and Strasburg's there in the middle of the series, I always say to myself, like, yeah, we could get him, though. I, I just don't know. Like, I mean, the numbers across the board, especially this season, really good. It's been pretty consistent, actually, the last couple seasons. He's kind of kicked the injury bug that mm-hmm. he was prone to for a while. Um Certainly, he's better than what the Phillies have outside of Aaron Nola. I just don't think that's the guy I would go after, and I don't think that he's going anywhere. I think he finishes in Washington. He may. I just thought that you know you have a connection with Bryce being here in Philly. Um, you know, I- I'm glad you said that though, and it's a question that I hadn't considered until you brought this up. Yeah. What does Bryce Harper's does Bryce Harper have any pull with the players around the league to bring guys here? I think he's got pull not only with the other players. I think he's got pull in the organization. I think he's got pull with the Phillies to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, let's get this guy. Let's get this yeah, guy. Yeah, so you, you, don't think, uh, you don't think that fell on deaf ears last week when Harper, you know, came out and said, hey, Dallas Keuchel probably would have been pretty cool in hindsight. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I am interested to see his ability to recruit. Obviously, he was talking about Mike Trout in spring training. <laughs> that didn't work out. But uh, at some point, maybe he can, he can kind of use his, his stardom, his star power a little bit to, to maybe get some guys in here. So let's look at the infield. Yeah. There are, I think, a couple questions here. Um, There's more holes than you think. Yeah, because you, you look at it, you go, well, guys are under contract, and, and really you could run back the same infield next season across the board if you wanted to. I can't get over, and I had visions this season of the 2019 Phillies making an August and September run on the strength of Harper, and I think he's, for the most part, held up to his end of the deal later in the season. I thought that Reese Hoskins was going to be this this big-time clutch guy that put the team on his back down the stretch, and it just simply has not happened. He's hitting 201 since the All-Star break. He has a 744 OPS and 257 plate appearances. This is not a bad week. It's not a slump. It's not a bad stretch. He's been he's been terrible now for over uh, two months. And when all is said and done and the Phillies fall, whatever, four to eight games out of the playoffs, starting pitching is reason one for me. And uh, I like the guy a lot, and I believe in his ability, but there's no way that you can spin this and say that Reese, Reese Hoskins wasn't a colossal failure in 2019. No, I I wouldn't call it a colossal failure because he had a pretty good first half. A colossal, okay, I'll amend that. A colossal failure in the second half of 2019. But yes, the second half has been. And that is coming from a guy that values walking and, and on-base yeah, skills and, yeah. and all of that. I mean, to be fair, I mean, he's still going to have the second best OPS of a regular Philly this year behind Harper. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, he's even had a real muto as, in that as regard. As your first baseman, honestly, should. should be up there. Should. You know, but, I mean, we, we, we talk guy. about real muto as a, as a potential MVP candidate, and Hoskins has a better OPS than, than him. So, just just let, let's, let's not completely and, kill and him. We, we could save this for, for another day. I do wonder if there was a team that came to the Phillies and said, hey, listen, we understand what, what your roster looks like. We know that you desperately need starting pitching, and this is a question we had talked about a few yeah. weeks ago. We'll save it again, and we can revisit it then. But I just wonder if he is a movable piece. Well, it's it, it, we can talk about it down the road. But I mean, if you think, it, well, let's let's look at the other infield positions because I'm going to say I know you're going to say something that's going to be of interest as far as shuffling the middle infield. But um, it, you know, if you're sitting there saying, well, they're not going to go after anybody at third base because Alec Baum's on the way. Well, what if Alec Baum becomes a first baseman? Yeah. And uh, then Hoskins can get you a pitcher and you go out and get somebody in free agency at third base. Another Bryce Harper former teammate. You want to go Anthony Rendon? I'm just saying. I mean, that's something you could consider as well. Yeah. I mean, listen, that is going to cost a, a princely sum. Mm-hmm. OPS is over 1,000. Guy's hitting 332. He's 29 years old, has 79 extra base hits this year. He's among the league leaders in doubles. He's going to finish with over 35 home runs. The guy is a flat-out stud. I would be all about Anthony Rendon, and I don't really care what the price is. Right. I'm tired of having these third... Ba- I, no more Mike Franco, please. I can't do it. 
I can't do it. I know that we all have sympathy for Michael Franco. He's a great guy, good clubhouse dude. Maybe in some scenario, actually there is no scenario because they're not going to retain a guy as a bench bat that can only play one position. They have to they have to do something different at third base. Now, as far as Alec Bohm goes, guy played at three different levels this year, was very productive at all three levels. I don't know. I, I have a hard time believing that he's the opening day third baseman next season. Well, I mean, there are some scouts who don't who think that he will profile better as a first baseman. As a first baseman. So yeah. that's why I'm saying that. Like I, I, I like maybe that's the the angle that you go with if you're talking about rejiggering the infield. Like that's maybe that's how you do it. And you go out and get the top third baseman on the market and you, yeah, you get I a mean, pitcher via trade. I don't know. It's entirely possible. I also wonder if you don't want to go out and spend Rendon money. Listen, I, I know he had injury issues, but Josh Donaldson has come back with a vengeance mm-hmm. this year. When the Braves signed Josh Donaldson, I said, okay, that's a decent deal. Like, there's there's some upside to that. Never in a million years did I think that we'd be talking about a guy that is going to hit 40 home runs. I mean, he has 30 doubles and 37 home runs as, as we sit here right now. And again... 917 OPS. If if you can get Josh Donaldson on a three-year deal and, and maybe like let's say three years 65, 70 million, yeah. that's maybe a little bit more palatable to a Phillies team that may not want to commit five or six years in another mega long-term contract to a position player because they're going to have to go out and sign JT Realmuto to one of these deals. Yeah, Donaldson's an interesting name too, but he's a little bit older. Again, has has had some injuries. So you you know, you're a little bit careful there. But I mean, yeah, I I would be okay with that. I mean, that's that's a, a possibility. I think it's something that they would maybe consider uh, to get that type of right-handed power in here would be a, a really intriguing, an intriguing piece. You know, Josh Donaldson to me is having the type of season that that some I think within the Phillies organization hope that Mike Alfranco could ultimately have. Maybe they didn't project him to be a forty home run guy, Mike Alfranco, but I think you know thirty certainly thirty thirty five home run type guy and and that's not going to happen here. yeah it's just not going to happen here no. so i i look at it though and bohm is interesting i mean he did progress like i said through three levels hit 21 home runs in 540 plate appearances a season uh he'll be 23 still at the start of next season it's hard to say it, their evaluation of him is going to be critical to what they do uh this coming season now the the other thing that i look at and there are two points that i want to hit on would you say that Scott Kingery's had a good season for the Phillies? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of tailed off a yeah. bit here towards the end. But I think that overall, I mean, he's going to have an OPS right around 800. Yeah, and like, let me give you the good about Scott Kingery. The OPS jumped from 605 last year to 802 this season. The average is up from 226 to 260. He's got 20 more extra base hits than he did a season ago and 25 less plate appearances. Mm-hmm. These are all great things. He also plays adequate defense at shortstop, third base, left field, center field, second base. So the guy can play five positions on any given right night. F- he can even play right field, too. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, th- that's great. He's versatile. He's super valuable. He's a good piece. I, I just i am kind of curious as to what he's going to be. Are we going to see more progression from him or is this kind of what he is and if this is what he is you could you could do a lot worse than that I mean there's a place for him on this team to be a main a major part of it but he hit 313 with a 948 OPS through June 30th and since then he's hitting 221 so the way that he sort of finished the season I don't know. I think that we do have some question marks about Scott Kingery right now. Yeah, no, and, I saw and what he is. Yeah, he hasn't been consistent. Um, but I, I mean, when you see the improvement, and you say, okay, from year one to year two, there's improvement. I think what you have to see from year two to year three, can he become consistent? Yeah, and that's when yeah. you have to make this. I think ultimately we make this determination a year from now and say, okay, he's still wildly inconsistent, and this is what this is all that he's really going to be. But if you see start to see some consistency come into his is into his uh, offensive production, then you make, you know, okay, now now we have a really solid piece. But I think you got to go into next season kind of envisioning Scott Kingery in the same role that they envisioned him coming into this season. Yeah, and so that is what they got, They have to decide. Is, is he this super utility type still, or is he your second baseman every day? Or is he your third baseman every day? They have to also decide what they want to do with Cesar Hernandez. And I, I'm kind of, I, I always get a little bit conflicted with him. So he's making uh, about $7.5 million this season. And, and next year will be his final year of arbitration. You could probably pencil him in at around nine, $9.5 maybe 10 max. Do they want him back at that number? 
is there a reason to bring him back? I, I just don't think he moves the needle. I understand that he's a, a decent player. It's really nothing against him. Can he start somewhere in the major leagues and be a, a, a fine player? Sure. I just don't see his role on this team. I think that there's more upside with other guys. I agree. So, I, I don't need to bring him back. So sure. I don't need to bring him back either. And I think that that's a place you could save some money and, and maybe get a little bit more aggressive in, in fixing the rotation, fixing the bullpen, which we're not even going to get into today. Right. That brings me to my last question. And, and this is an interesting name for, for me. So uh, D.D. Gregorius will be a free agent as well. Wait, Bob, he plays shortstop. He does play shortstop, and the Phillies have a shortstop. Uh, just not not in love with Gene Segura's season. Uh, and, and I will give you credit because <laughs> they made the deal. And, and not that I think either of us were like, oh, no, don't trade J.P. Crawford. <laughs> right. you know, it wasn't about what you were giving up, but just, hey, you know, this, this may not be such a great move. Now, in the beginning of the season, when they were full bore, they were in, they were going. You're like, wow, he's the one guy in this lineup that can hit the ball through the hole in a hit and run. He just he does something a little bit different, brings a different dynamic to the lineup. And he's been okay. I mean, he's hitting 283 this season. That's that's fine. But when you just go like if you look at those those the big overarching numbers, you go, not a bad year. You go a little bit deeper though, and it, it gets pretty unimpressive, to, to be perfectly blunt. 738 OPS in 54 games since the All-Star break. He's got the 10th best OPS among qualified NL shortstops. That's not good. That's mm. bottom tier. And then also defensively, mm. he's negative five in defensive uh -huh. run saves per fan graphs, which is uh, only ahead of Trey Turner and Ahmed Rosario among qualified shortstops, 11th overall in the National League. And he also leads the NL with 18 errors. Yeah. So there's questions about the defense, and it's not like the offensive production is so prolific that it negates that. Yeah. So that being said, and this is this is where I come back to Gregorius, do you maybe maybe kick him over to second base? You still have Kingery in this utility role, and you bring in a guy like a Gregorius who could pop 25, 30 homers for you. And he's excellent defensively. And he's a good defensive shortstop. Yeah, I, I, I don't I – A don't, little bit of a different that's – a, that's, a, that's an interesting idea, Bob. I would, I would consider that. Because so. we know Segura can play second, and he's actually a better, believe it or not, historically, if you look at, at his defense, he's actually a better second baseman than he is a shortstop. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. And, and so what you're seeing here is that there's just so many possibilities. You said it right at the top. It's, it's not as concrete as it seems. Yeah. They have to make several decisions on not only who are they retaining and who are they parting ways with, but the guys that they are retaining – they can use them in several different ways. Yeah. So it really, I think, will be a, primarily a, a product of how the market evolves and what opportunities present themselves. But the, what I want to see from whoever is is in charge this offseason, and again, we presume it will be Matt Klintak, I need to see a little bit more creativity. Yes. You can't just go out and make the obvious move. Like, I have the financial means, so I got the deal done. It's time to start to see some resourcefulness now. Yeah. Um yeah, well, I agree. I agree with you. I, 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 I just hate dismissing Franco so easily. Really, here we are, and and after you've listened to me rail against him, kind of go, yeah, you're not wrong. I think I think that's what you like to say. You're not wrong. I just don't despise. Look, I I know that you say you, you don't want to bench guy who can only play one position, but uh, you could play first. You I, could also I, play first. Irregardless of that, like if you have a guy who can come off the bench and and get a big hit for you. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't matter what position he yeah. plays, right? If you got, yeah. I mean, since June since June 24th, 149 plate appearances. Not a ton, but it's it's not a small sample either. 289, 342 on base, 831 OPS. It's not terrible. If, if that's the role, then fine. Yeah. Okay, fine. That's what but I'm I talking just don't, about. I cannot go into another season and with expectations of actually making the playoffs and and Michael Franco being plan A at third base. No, he, no, he can't. I don't want him to be the starter. I'm not telling you that I want him to come back as a starter, but I don't want to just dismiss Michael Franco. That's what I'm that's where I'm at. I I think that there's still value there in some capacity. And maybe you use that value to get you something. Like I think other teams would recognize Michael Franco's value Yeah, as well. he's not a, a bag of balls guy. You know what I mean? Like he brings you back something if if you Put him out to the market. Yeah. Uh, one quick question. I know we're running out of time here. Yeah, we're out of time we're here. Done. Uh, JT Romuto, does he get a nine-figure contract from the he, Phillies? He should. Nine. He should. 
Yeah. No, just, I, I don't even have to think about it. Do you do that this off season? Yes. Okay. You don't let it linger. Yeah. You don't. You don't put it into a precarious spot. Yeah. Get it done. Fifth in the National League in WAR per fan <laughs> He's great. He's had a great year. He's thrown out forty three of ninety base runners. <laughs> He's thrown out forty three. That's pretty incredible. Crazy. That's pretty incredible. And they also have to improve the bench next year. I don't want to see a, another bench come back like they've had this well, year. Well, we'll have plenty of shows to talk about the bench, the bullpen. I mean, how, I mean, yeah, my boy Phil Gosselin outfield. leads the team in hit in pinch hits, and and he's not that good. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Nice to see him up in a critical right. spot on Saturday. Yeah, night. exactly. Uh, I want to thank Ryan Lennox for uh, producing the show tonight. We'll be back next Monday. Listen, on, listen in longer now for more ESPN uh, programming. As uh, Ryan will flip you over to that now. Take care, guys.